Well, good morning, church family, and for those of you who might be watching, uh, thank you for joining us. Sort of a weird time, right? Uh, certainly something I've never experienced in my life. Uh, we've never had this type of thing, this global pandemic, although um, I've been getting some wisdom from some of the older staff members. Pastor Kevin Curzonabe was telling me uh, what it was like in the winter of 1337 when the Black Plague hit, and so he's been incredibly insightful for us during this time as a church. In seriousness, uh, unbelievable, right? And the feelings are crazy. I mean, people are anxious, people are scared, there's fear, there's panic buying that some of you might have participated in. But what I'd like to do today is two things, and they might seem in tension with one another, but I think they go hand in hand. And what I'd like to do is both challenge and encourage us. And in order to challenge us, I'd like to turn to the prayers of the Apostle Paul, and in particular, the prayers that he gave or requested during the time of his imprisonments. And we find those in something called the prison epistles. There's Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. And in these prayers, you get a glimpse into the heart of the man of God, Paul the Apostle. And what's particularly important for us is these are the prayers of someone who is experiencing difficult times. Things are not good. He's in prison. And let me clarify, I by no means am equating a ban on large church gatherings with the imprisonment and torture of Paul the Apostle. So they're not equivalent. However, it at least gives us a basic understanding of how Christians ought to pray during difficult times. And so briefly, I just want to look at these prayers uh, that Paul gave during his time of imprisonment. First, from Ephesians, Paul says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, what I want to focus on is this part of the prayer where Paul is praying that he would receive the words and the power to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, why is that important? Paul is in prison. He's in chains. There's a lot of things he could be praying for. One would be, Lord, get me out of these chains. But what he tells the church at Ephesus, when it's time to pray, pray not for my deliverance, but pray that in the midst of my suffering, God would use this to get the gospel out. Now think about that for a moment. If you're in prison, what are you praying for? I know if I'm in prison, I know what I'm praying for. Lord, get me out of here, man. It's cold. There's these little bugs that bite me. I'm in chains. I can't get comfortable. Get me out of here. But Paul in prison, bound to a Roman centurion, is praying that God would use this moment for the advancement of the gospel, which is incredibly interesting because when you look at the prayers that Paul gives in the New Testament, you rarely see him asking for a change of circumstance. You rarely see Paul praying that God would change his circumstances. Rather, he prays that in the middle of whatever circumstance he finds himself in, that God would get the gospel out in light of it. It's radically different than how you or I probably would approach the situation. You know, for us, it's Lord God, uh, help this Corona thing go away as fast as possible. You know, keep my, my investment safe, keep my money secure, uh, whatever it may be. 
And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying for safety or for the virus to go away. Certainly I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this, when Paul is in prison and he's suffering an incredible amount, he prays that the gospel would go out. It's a glimpse into his heart. He prays this in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for me that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how, how I ought to speak. Again, pray that God would open the door for the gospel to get out. Not Lord, get me out of prison. Get me out of these chains. Lord, help the gospel go out. And you see that key theme and element come out. It's not a change of circumstance. It's God Change my understanding. I know this is a crisis, but how can this crisis be turned into an opportunity for the gospel? And that's a key thing for us today. This is going to be a key thing for us for the coming weeks. And hopefully it is only for the coming weeks. But how, God, can you change a crisis into a moment of opportunity for the gospel? How may you use what's going on in the world for the advancement of your word? Philemon, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Again, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Are you getting, are you getting this, this theme again and again? I'm in a moment of crisis. Things aren't good. And sure, I don't want to be in this situation. But Lord, may we be effective in our proclamation of the gospel. It's the heart of the Apostle Paul. Now, in addition to this prayer for the advancement of the gospel, there's another theme and element that comes up again and again in Paul's prayers. And they've already popped in the previous three, but I want to show you quickly three others. This is in the book of Philippians. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So right at the beginning, Paul is thanking God and he's saying, my prayers are filled with joy. I mean, this is heavy times for Paul, difficult times for Paul, but somehow in a prison cell, Paul is thanking God and his prayers are filled with joy. How many times in your life have, has your life technically been great? but you're still not thankful. You're not filled with joy. See, Paul understands what's most important. And when he reflects on that, which is most important, he's filled with thankfulness and joy. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. <clears throat> and it is my prayer 
that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Again, worshiping God, I want you to, to grow in your faith. I want the gospel to go out. And lastly, from Philippians, another great example, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Remember, he's saying this from prison. Verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It's a powerful word for us today. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will God guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. Pray about everything. And when you pray, have your prayers be filled with thanksgiving and allow the peace of God, which has the ability to surpass and transcend human understanding. May that guard your hearts and your minds. So my challenge for us, as we are in difficult times, is to have hearts like the Apostle Paul. Hearts that see there is a crisis. Things aren't good. There's problems. And we don't deny that, but we shift our focus from the problem and say, what opportunities are before us? What is the Lord putting before us? And our prayers are focused on the advancement of the gospel. And our prayers, even in the midst of difficult times, are ones of thanksgiving and joy. And again, I'm not saying you don't pray for this to pass. We certainly should be praying for that. We should be praying for those who are suffering. We want this to be done and over as quick as possible. But it's not just a crisis we're in. To the church, it's not just a crisis we're in. It's a time of opportunity. And may God use these times and the church to advance his gospel. And may we glorify his son in that. And so how can we accept the challenge and see the opportunity. I don't have all the answers. And what we're doing as a church is we've been, we've already been thinking of creative ways, how to minister to our community, how to organize things in an efficient manner. But we also briefly just want to give you some tips on what you could be doing in the immediate to take advantage of the situation, not see it as a crisis, but an opportunity. So here's some easy things that you could start doing. Just a simple list. First on the list, it says grocery store tips. And, and, and I'll pause there for a second because I want to tell a quick story about grocery store trips. There was a woman online who shared a story about how she, as she was leaving the grocery store, an elderly woman had her, the window of her car down. And she was saying, excuse me to people passing by, but no one was kind of paying attention. So the woman went up to the elderly woman and said, I hear you. What can I do for you? And she essentially said, if you go buy my groceries, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Maybe you're saying, what's, what's up with that? Why are you going to pay someone $100 to get you groceries? Because this elderly woman was scared. She was terrified. She didn't have anyone else in the world to buy her groceries. And she's watching the news. She's seen all the fear. And she's too scared to go in that grocery store. So she was willing to give $100 for someone to pick her up food. What should the church be doing right now? If you're not in the vulnerable category, 
you're younger and you're healthy, you don't have some pre-existing conditions, you can be contacting those who you know who are in the vulnerable categories and saying, hey, I don't want you to go to the grocery store. How about you let me go to the grocery store for you? And I won't charge you a hundred bucks, by the way, because I know some of you are like, that's a great idea. I can make a lot of money. No, you don't make money off of this. Can I go to the grocery store? Second on the slide is offer essentials. Some of you stocked up or have extra supplies of hand sanitizer, food, or maybe you got extra toilet paper. Do you realize you live at like this blip in human history where you could actually turn to a neighbor who's ran out or running low and say, hey man, I want to show you that I love you. I got some toilet paper, man. I got you covered. Got you covered with the toilet paper. That alone for someone in your neighborhood or your community may show them a tremendous amount of love. To say, hey, I don't got everything, but with what I have, I'm willing to share in the name of Jesus. Third on the list, postcards with prayer. What if you hand wrote notes of, of prayer and just went to your neighbors and put them in their post box? Say, hey, I know it's crazy time. I don't know if you're a person of faith, but I'm praying for you. If you need anything, here's my number. Calling those who might be lonely. Tons of people in America are already lonely. And these sort of bands and uh, public gatherings are going to make people even more lonely. Are you going to visit people? Are you going to call them? The last thing on the list, similar to the first thing, could offer to pick up medication, prescription meds for people who are too afraid to go to the store or it's very difficult for them to go to the store. So as a church, we're going to be coming up with some more lists and we're going to be organizing some things and preparing for the next few weeks, but already we just wanted to give you some practical things. So that's my challenge for everyone. My challenge is first and foremost, that if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you don't see this as strictly a crisis. You see this as a time of opportunity for the gospel and that your prayers would reflect that. And then second, I wanted to challenge and then I'd like to encourage. um, Because again, there's some of you who are like, I can't even accept the challenge right now. Even when things are good, I'm already filled with anxious thoughts. I'm stressed. I'm fearful. Even when things are good. And now it's all bad. So I want to encourage you. And in order to encourage you, I want to uh, maybe inspire you with the work of a children's book. A children's book that was written by Jonathan Gibson and Joe Hawks. And it's about the character and goodness of God. And so in order to do that, I'd like you to look at a picture. What do you see? It's like, no brainer, right? The moon, the moon. What what shape is the moon here? Right, the moon's round. The moon is round. Okay, it's a full moon. We know the moon is round. Let me show you another picture of the moon. What do you see? You see the moon. What shape is the moon? What shape is the moon? It's like, you, you may only see like a, 60% 60% moon, moon, but make no mistake about it, the moon is still round. You might not see it completely, but the moon is still round. Right now, it's a half moon, saying it's not round no more. So no, 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 it's not the way this works. Your eyes only see half of the moon, but make no mistake about it, the moon is always round. The moon is always round. Well, now, what do you see? You should be getting this. It's not a trick now. It's like, 
It's not round anymore. It's just like now it's God's thumbnail. It's not God's thumbnail because the moon's still round. You may not see it. You may not see the light. You may not see the light of the entirety of the moon, but the moon's still round. What about now? Some of you may not see anything depending upon what device you're watching, but this is a new moon. There's just like a little sliver, just like a little, little tiny bit of light shining. And you say, what circle, what, what do you see now? I barely see anything, but the moon is still round. And lastly, what do you see? You should see nothing. You should see absolutely nothing. Because even if you don't see anything, even if you were blind, even if you had your eyes removed and there's not even a glimmer of light, the moon is always round. See, this is what you need to know. Whether it's a half moon, a full moon, quarter moon, three-fourths moon, there's something that's always true. Even if you don't see it, if your eyes don't see it, even if you're blind, even if there's tons of clouds in the sky, it doesn't matter. That moon is always round. On your best day, on your worst day, on D-Day, on your wedding day, when the markets crash, when the Great Depression hits, when you get the news from the doctor that hits you like a train, when you have to tell your mom goodbye, the moon was always round because the moon will always be round. Because God is good all of the time. Even when you don't see it, even when it doesn't feel like it. There are some days you look up, God's good. There's some days you don't feel it. God's still good. The brother of Jesus, James, who would know much suffering and ultimately die for his faith, said it like this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. To say God is good is easier said than actually believed. And in difficult times, it becomes incredibly difficult to believe. And the biblical authors who declared again and again that God is good did so without having a pie in the sky theology. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the people of Israel, their lives were not great. Throughout the scriptures, they are enslaved, oppressed, conquered by empire after empire. They know what it's like to suffer, but it's them and precisely them that are consistently and persistently and often defiantly against their overlords, declaring that there is one God and he's a good God. And so for them, they would say, whether it's good times, bad times, whether the sun's shining or there's not an appearance of a star in the sky, God is always good. And so as we continue through this period where things are a little bit scary, there's fear, there's panic. The moon is always round and God is always good. So the worship team's going to come back up and we're going to sing one more song. And as we close and get ready to prepare our hearts for this last song of worship, I want you to know that 
The symbol for God's goodness in this is the consistency of the moon. It's like, it's always round. And for the Christian, there is a symbol that's rooted in a historic event that reminds you that God is always good. And that is the cross of Christ. Whether it's the good day or the bad day, whether you feel the love of God or you feel like you're not very lovable, it doesn't matter how you feel in the moment because the cross stands there and says, this is how much God loves me. And because of the cross, we know that our greatest problems have already been taken care of. And it doesn't mean it's a pie in the sky theology where we pretend everything's good all the time. No, we acknowledge the bad, just like the ancient Israelites. The world is filled with problems, filled with trials, filled with issues. But God is still good and God is good all of the time. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we want to lift you up in this closing time. You are a good God. You are a faithful God. If the world falls apart, we declare you are a good God. If the world rebounds and we experience the greatest time of peace and prosperity, you are still a good God. Whether we see it or not, we want to faithfully trust you, our good heavenly father. We are like children who become fearful and afraid of so many things. So father, help us to trust you, lead us and we will follow. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.